Alright, alright. Welcome back to Drop Pass Podcast, you big beauty. We are already in double digits and today we have the 11th episode on our hands. Last week we, air quotes, predicted the outcomes of NHL entry and expansion drafts. And just like I said, we saw a lot of unexpected incidents during this past week. NHL free agency started earlier this week. And we will dig deeper into that subject on next week's episode since it has now started to slow down a bit from the start and we still could and probably will see a few surprises across the league. But this episode is devoted to those two previously mentioned drafts where we unwrap all the key points of both events. But we will start the episode by checking how the NBA Finals concluded and finish the weekly wrap-up by pointing out the major signings from the European football crowns, in case you have missed them. But now that the NBA season is finally over, we are officially in the off-season when it comes to most of the major sports, except the fact that some of the European football seasons are already underway and the top leagues will kick their seasons off mid-August, so depending on what sports you watch, the wait can be cruciating or you will get some relief pretty shortly. Thank you once again for joining me on this journey. It has been great to hear some of your feedback and I can assure you, yes, exactly you buddy, that I'll do my very best to improve this experience each time you start a new episode. Whenever you have something to say about the podcast, don't be afraid to contact me because each of you have your own visions and feelings about different aspects of this podcast, so... Whether it is positive or negative, give your two cents because it might be priceless for me and hopefully it will improve the future episodes as well. So, like I said, I promise I'll hit you back if you leave something on my DMs, either on Instagram or Twitter. And speaking of which, I would like to hear what you think about the longer episodes since most of my earlier ones have been around the 30 minute mark. And few recent ones have reached up to 50 minutes, so I would greatly appreciate if you would leave a message on my social media regarding the episode length. Or actually, I might even post some kind of poll beside my IG story where you can react to the question accordingly. But if you don't get to the post, just leave a comment in my DMs. Also, if you haven't pushed the follow button, do it now so that you don't miss any of the new episodes. You don't have to worry about anything else than being present on the right time. I will deliver the biscuit, buddy. But I would say that's enough rambling. Let's leave some for the actual content. So without further ado, let's go. Okay, boys and girls, you know what? It ain't coincidence that Giannis is called the Greek freak. Because he went off against the Suns. Chris Middleton played best basketball of his life and Drew Holiday stepped up to be a key contributor on their way to NBA champions. Giannis won the MVP of the playoffs while he led all players in points 634 and rebounds 269. He averaged 35 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal and 2 blocks in the finals against the Suns. And he was by far the most influential player throughout the playoffs. And even though Middleton and Holiday stepped up, they wouldn't have won it without Antetokounmpo. I predicted that the Suns would have taken the cup home because of their solid combination of backs and guards. And to be completely honest, I also wanted CP3 to get his first championship. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Giannis just rose to another level in the finals and proved why he alongside Luka Doncic are the cover boys of the NBA for years to come. So big congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks on their second ever NBA championship. Then we can swiftly take a look at the major signings of this year's football transfer market. And we will start it with the big bang since it has been a long time coming. Jadon Sancho is finally property of Manchester United and if you somehow don't know the background of this deal it has been on the table since last summer so it was about time to finally see it actually becoming official. 
Now the Red Devils have a lethal winger on the right side and he will establish a very solid off-front presence alongside Marcus Rashford, Edison Cavani, Bruno Fernandes and Anthony Martial without forgetting the young right midfielder Mazer Greenwood who will battle Sancho for the starting spot. To add another spice into the mix, United are also finalizing a deal with Real Madrid to acquire centre-back Rafael Varane from the Los Blancos. And when that happens, believe them to fight for the title against City and Liverpool next season because, at least to me, that seems like a championship-caliber team. I could be once again very wrong though, just like I've been many times before, so don't quote me on that for your own mental health's sake. Many you paid 85 million euros for the English national, so the expectations are high coming the next season at Old Trafford and expect him to settle quite quickly for the Premier League football. Second on the list is Moroccan right back slash right midfielder Ashraf Hakimi, who transferred from Inter Milan to PSG for 60 million euros at the start of July. Even though he played right midfielder for Inter last few seasons, expect him to take his spot at the right back position when the season rolls around since Angel Di Maria mans the right wing spot. Then surprisingly Aston Villa made a big move when the Lions bolstered their forward core by adding the 24-year-old Emiliano Buendia from Norwich to their squad for 38.4 million euros, who has seen his value skyrocketing after stellar last season in the Canaries. He was a vital piece for their offense alongside Temo Pukki, but now it was time to change the scenery, and Aston Villa paid a hefty price for the young Argentinian. And like I previously mentioned, David Alaba moved to Real Madrid in the beginning of the transfer window, but vice versa, they lost their captain Sergio Ramos to Paris Saint-Germain, who leaves a massive hole in their defense to fill alongside his French partner Rafael Varane. Madrid could have a huge problem in their hands since they lost both of their standout centre-backs during the same transfer window, and quite clearly just Alaba doesn't fill the holes left by the two studs. Nevertheless, Alaba was signed to fill one of these holes and hopefully Eder Militao or someone else can try to even out the situation in their back end or otherwise they could be in big trouble. Euro 2020 MVP Gianluigi Donnarumma signed for PSG as well as a free agent like I mentioned in the previous episode and also former Lyon striker Memphis Depay changed scenery when he signed with Barcelona to create a lethal upfront presence alongside Sergio Aguero. Lionel Messi's future is still in doubt, but most rumors say that he has a deal in place to stay in Catalonia, and it would be a devastating hit if they somehow lost their star player. Next season Barcelona could be a force to be reckoned with if players such as Ansu Fati, Pedri and Usman Dembele can find another gear to their game since Otherwise, they have a very solid squad all around. Few of the most recent signings were Rodrigo de Paul, who transferred from Udinese to Atletico Madrid a few weeks ago, and this week Dortmund added another young forward, Daniel Malen, who transferred from PSV. De Paul cost 35 million euros to Atletico, and Malen was shipped off to Dortmund for 30 million euros. We'll see what happens with Holland, but in case he leaves, they have a replacement in place either way. With similar price tags as Malen, Leicester acquired Patson Daka from Red Bull Salzburg, and AC Milan bought centre-back Fikai Tomori from Chelsea after season-long loan from the London side. Speaking of which, Tottenham also made a trade this week where we saw Eric Lamela going to Sevilla in exchange for young Spanish left-winger Brian Gill, who costed 25 million extra in addition to Lamela for the Spurs. Hakan Chalhanoglu changed his locker room in San Siro when he moved for free from Milan to Inter. Giorgio Wijnaldum ended up in PSG unlike I said previously that he would find himself in Barcelona. Nico Gonzalez moved from Stuttgart to Serie A side Fiorentina and Andre Silva ended up being RP Leipzig's first big acquisition after Frankfurt 
agreed to sell him for 23 million euros. Last notable transfers are Juan Musso's transfer from Udinese to Atalanta for 20 million euros, Rui Patricio's departure from the Wolves as he joins AC Roma for 11.5 million, Nuno Tavares became property of Arsenal after agreement was reached with Benfica, Red Bull Salzburg sold their midfielder Inok Mwepu as well to Brighton for 23 million. And finally, a few days ago, young Brighton centre-back Ben White was dealt to Arsenal for 58.5 million euros. But still, expect to see few major signings in the next few weeks, when the league start to begin their seasons. Anyways, as it stands, those were the major deals that have happened during the last few months. And if I missed one or two, you can find all the big deals from TransferMarket.com. Hashtag no ads. Thank you. But that wraps up all the other news that needed to be addressed and we can move on to the NHL, as I promised. First, we will take a look at what did the Seattle Kraken actually do during the expansion draft, compare my picks to the official ones, and I'll also give my opinion on their individual picks. And before we go into the selections, I want to give a shout out to my boy Frank Seravalli, who ruined the fun for most fans when he leaked all the picks on Twitter even before the expansion show had begun. Absolute douche move in my opinion and the whole expansion show ended up being a total waste of time since all of the picks were on the table even before any of them were announced. I bet that Karma will get the game even at some point so at least I will sleep my nights a bit easier. But now that's off my chest and we can actually move on to the real stuff. We will start alphabetically and begin this rodeo with the Anaheim Ducks. And like I said, there were only few viable options to choose from. And my pick from them was Alexander Volkov. But as some expected, the pretty obvious choice here was the defenseman Hayden Fleury, who was drafted by Francis while he was in Carolina. He's not a bad choice, but... To me seems like he won't reach his full potential, but on the flip side this could be his last chance to achieve the expectations set on him with a clean slate in Seattle. And now that we are at it, I guess there is some kind of quota for each expansion draft since this time around Seattle took two flurries instead of one when Vegas drafted Mark andre in 2017. And last week, GM Ron Francis also acquired Hayden's brother, Kale, from Montreal, which wasn't a surprise to me since I had him as my first pick, but when they were missing the number one center, I had to choose Philippe Dano instead of him. Kale could and probably will develop into a very reliable physical top six defensive defenseman, and we've already seen glimpses of it during his time in the Habs uniform. When he, for example, dropped the shoulder on Milan Lucic and surprised many fans with his physical maturity. Both are solid picks and hopefully in the future we could see these two as a defensive pair in Seattle. But after getting distracted by the Flurry brothers, we move on to the Arizona. Where did they pick their next face of the franchise? Oh, you mean he was dealt the next day? Well, never mind. Tyler Pitlick was their choice, just as I expected, and like I said, the next day he got traded to Calgary for a 2022 fourth round pick, so there is not much to be said about his presence in Seattle, or the pure lack of it. Then from Boston, they picked defenseman Jeremy Lazon, who went under the radar for me for some reason. Now looking back at it, it was a good move from Francis to take him since he's younger than Clifton for example and has already established himself as a NHL defenseman and if he doesn't pan out in Seattle they can move him in the deadline for additional assets since he only has one year remaining in his contract and is an RFA at the end of his deal. There were many other UFAs to choose from so I ended up taking another signed player but this time it was the left-handed D instead of right-handed but good pick for the Kraken nevertheless. From Buffalo, my hope was that they would have had contract negotiated with Jake McCabe, but he ended up signing four times for a deal with the Blackhawks and Buffalo didn't have many other options to choose from. Francis decided to take a flyer on right-handed defenseman Will Borgen, 
who's had a few stints in the NHL but seems to cap out at the AHL level. Don't expect too much contribution from him in the NHL level. While he could be extremely solid, always hungry league defenseman. Next team was almost a home run swing since it had been all over the news for days that they would take the veteran defenseman Mark Giordano from the Flames and probably bring his face to the opening ceremonies. He would add veteran leadership to the group and exactly that happened. He has one year remaining in his contract and can still be very effective on both ends of the ice while his legs are starting to lose their sharpness as you would expect to happen at his age. But like I mentioned in the expansion episode, very tough loss for the Flames and he could end up leaving the Kraken at the deadline if they are not contenders the first year. Then we headed to Ron's former stomping grounds where the pick was between Morgan Geeky and Jake Bean and for some unknown reason they took Geeky instead of Bean and for me this was a huge surprise as it seemed to be to many others as well. Bean played his first full year in the Chell last season with a stat line of 1 goal and 11 assists in 42 games which is fairly promising for a young defenseman taking into account his first round draft pick status as well. On the other hand, Geeky had a stellar start to his season in the AHL, where he recorded four goals and one assist in just two games with the Chicago Wolves, and was quickly called up to the bright lights where he notched three goals and added six helpers in 36 games for the Canes with limited ice time. And while I see a solid middle six potential in Geeky, the decision still left me scratching my head since later the Canes dealt Bean to Columbus, and it just raises some eyebrows if the expansion team decides to overlook your potential. And few days later you get traded for a second round draft pick. Everything just isn't adding up. Good choice either way because Kiki has showed some real promise during his time in Carolina. And hopefully he can become a solid contributor in their middle six already next year on the west coast. Seattle's next pick from Chicago came straight out of the woods. And when I say that, I mean it. I hadn't even considered John Quenville as their pick since his former first round draft pick status has diminished each year and it seems as he will become one of those players who's too good for the AHL but not good enough to establish his presence in the NHL. But once again I could be wrong and he could become reliable two-way fourth liner who can kill penalties but for now, I see him as a reliable AHL forward. Other options would have been Godet, Zadarov or Hinestroza, for example, but eventually three of those two free agents found their new homes elsewhere than Chicago when the free agent frenzy began, so at least they took someone to say the least. The next pick was from Colorado and I ended up being spot on when Finnish Jonas Donskoy was chosen and now he has to load his Porsches and head to West Coast. Seattle will get a very multidimensional two-way presence to their middle six, and while Donskoy had a career year in Colorado last season, you shouldn't expect to see those kind of numbers in Seattle since their firepower is not even in the same ballpark as the Avs, to be truly honest. He will add his element to 5-on-5 game as well as both special teams if he earns his time on the power play as well. Good pick for the Avs and alongside him they got the big fish from the free agent list when they signed Philip Krubauer to a multi-year deal this week and outpaid the Avs in the process. The Vesna candidate will bring his A-game to Seattle and now they don't hopefully have to worry about goaltending situation in the next few years since they have both Grubauer and Dreger signed for at least three years and that is a real good tandem if you ask me. Huge W for the Kraken when it comes to taking players from the Avs. Another surprise pick came from Columbus when Francis took defenseman Gavin Bayreuther from the Blue Jackets. You probably ask yourself does this guy come up with made-up names at this point but unfortunately not. He wasn't the first name that came to mind when considering the pick from the Jackets and this was another head scratcher since they could have gone with for example Kevin Stenland but instead they chose to draft defenseman who seems like a 7th 
slash eighth defenseman at tops. And while we were wondering what was going through Ron's head, Beiruther was already back with the Blue Jackets as he signed a two-year contract with the CBJ as in UFA. I tried to understand the reasoning behind this pick, but since it didn't actually make any sense, I will just leave it there and write to my diary about my feelings instead. From Dallas Stars, the Kraken took towering defenseman Jamie Oleksiak instead of my suggestion Adam Masherin. There were a few options, but since Seattle seemed to heavily target their defense, Oleksiak was a good pick from the Stars, and now they have him signed for the next five years, which could come to haunt them since usually bigger and heavier guys who play physical style decline faster than the other more fleet-footed players. He has been very solid in the recent years and overall was a good pick to add physical element to their blue line, who also can chip in offensively from time to time as well. Detroit was a tale of two players, Dennis Chalowski and Troy Stetcher, and this time GM Francis decided to go with the youth route and took Jalowski with their pick from the Red Wings. It will be very interesting to see if Jalowski can finally find his game in Seattle, and I really hope that it happens since he was highly touted prospect coming into the draft, and when Red Wings took him in the first round, he was seen as a surefire top 4 D-man, but his defensive game hasn't developed at a pace most expected and that has kept him in the AHL. But this was a pick that could become very valuable for the Kraken if Jalowski can finally elevate his game. Even before the draft, the rumors started to spread out about Adam Larson, that he might have a contract in place in Seattle, and that was exactly the case. The right-handed Swedish defenseman signed a four-year contract worth. 4 million per season with the Kraken and became technically their 7th defenseman drafted in the expansion draft already and trust me it doesn't end there. Larson has been underrated in Edmonton and while his puck moving and offensive game are not elite he has been one of if not their number one defensive presence in their own end and penalty kill. He will add another physical element to their backline and the Hananes is always a big plus. Now that Seattle basically stole Larson from Edmonton, they had to come up with another right shot demon to replace him, under 4 million, and trust me, those don't grow on trees. Cody CC ain't that guy, pal, trust me, he ain't that guy. I picked Tyler Benson as my pick from the Oilers looking at their future, but they decided to go with the veteran this time, which wasn't a bad pick at all. From the Florida Panthers to no one's surprise the Kraken selected goaltender Chris Dreger as I had mentioned previously and signed him to a three-year deal worth 3.5 million per season. He will establish very solid one-two with Philip Grubauer if he doesn't become another Scott Darling-esque one-year wonder. This was known even before the draft so I won't go into details on this one and also alongside him Center Alexander Wenberg will move to Seattle since he signed a three-year, 4.5 million deal with the Kraken as a free agent and will strengthen their center core for next season. Rather confusing pick was then made from the LA Kings when they chose Curtis McDermott from the Kings and they later flipped him to Colorado for a 2023 fourth round pick. This smelled like a boys club pick since Ronnie Franchise played with his father Paul McDermott in Hartford, but otherwise it didn't make any sense whatsoever, since there were other options to choose from. I had them taking young defenseman Kale Clegg, but since there seems to be something wrong with drafting youth, I guess the uh, stay-at-home ice-cleaning crew member was the better pick here, but you do you, Ronnie. Hashtag no demon under six foot three. And just like Detroit, the deal with Minnesota was a choice between the two players, Kaapo Kahkonen or Carson Susi. I went with Kahkonen, but Francis chose Susi instead, which wasn't a bad pick by any means. He has elevated his game the past two seasons in Minnesota and has become a stable in their top six with very good defensive game. 
He can contribute offensively from time to time as well, but I guess you can see the pattern here. Francis likes his big defenseman, so add another one to the list. Couldn't go wrong with either one. I already mentioned the pick from Montreal, so we can switch to Nashville instead. And the pick from the Preds was, as I anticipated, Kalle Jarncrook. He's a versatile two-way player with some offensive upside and will slot into their middle six very nicely, since he can play either at center or on the wings. He can be utilized on both special teams and brings his high energy game each night, so another very solid pick by the Kraken. From the Devils, Francis decided to choose forward Nathan Bastian, who was a solid acquisition since his ceiling is somewhere in the middle six even though he hasn't been as productive as some might have expected. He will become most likely effective two-way power forward who can play at center or on the wing, and it seems that he's already pretty close to his ceiling, so it wasn't a gamble pick at all. I went with Wedgwood, but Bastion in my mind is a better player of those two, and very solid addition, like I said. From the Islanders, the pick was obvious. Jordan Eberle walked on stage and wore Kraken's away uniform, and he will be slotted straight away to their top six without hesitation. He's still effective as a point producer and will be their power play specialist. He's a very effective playmaker who can find open teammates, and if he doesn't, he can put the puck back in the net with consistency. Same thing with the Rangers, Colin Blackwell became property of the Kraken, to no one's surprise, and thus they added another solid middle six player to their roster, who also brings grit to their lineup. He had a career year last season in New York, so the hope is that he can keep the wheels rolling and keep production levels up once he wears the new uniform for the first time. Then from Ottawa, the Kraken selected goalie Joey Dacord like I had anticipated, but when Philly was on the clock, Francis made people guess their sanity. Once again, when they took fourth line forward Carson Twerinski from the Flyers. The 23-year-old was a third-round pick by the Flyers and has spent last two seasons as a filler to their fourth line, but seriously doesn't seem to become anything else than a bottom six grinder. Of course you need depth and grit to your lineup, don't get me wrong, but I think those assets can be acquired during the free agency as well as through the draft. While he's still young, he could raise his potential, but seeing him play in the gel last few seasons don't seem like he will reach any higher standards. From the Penguins, Ronnie Franchise, Joe's high-energy winger Brandon Tanev. I had predicted that Zucker was going to be their pick from Pittsburgh, but since I looked at his injury history, I realized that it wasn't probably going to happen. Tanev was my number two option after Zucker, so this was another good addition to their lineup after head-scratching pick from the Flyers. His contract could become burden at some point, but until then he will bring his high-intensity playstyle to Seattle. San Jose Sharks didn't have many notable options to choose from, and most of them were somewhat young-ish depth options. I chose Ryan Donato as my pick, but Francis decided to go with Danish Alexander True, which wasn't a bad choice at all. He's a big body with good all-around game, but he hasn't established his presence in the NHL yet. We'll see if he can find another level to his game and become reliable bottom six option for the Kraken, since he already has all the tools to accomplish that. Then we head to St. Louis, where the situation with Vladimir Tarasenko is still on the air, and his future with the Blues is very uncertain. There were rumblings around a possible trade during the draft, but nothing actually happened, and... He has said that he wants to leave St. Louis and at this point it only seems to be a question of what Doug Armstrong will get in return for Tarasenko. But either way, Kraken didn't care about his situation and picked my number one option, Vince Dunn, to their blue line. And now it really is starting to get crowded there. Dunn has been a solid contributor for the Blues the past four seasons, but last year he found himself on the trade block just like Tarasenko did. This change of scenery could be very beneficial for Dunn, and he will most likely find himself on the power play in Seattle, which could boost his offensive numbers even more. Good addition for the Kraken, and to add insult to injury alongside him, 
Kraken also snatched another free agent from St. Louis, Jaden Swartz, when they signed him to a five-year, 5.5 million contract per year. So you could say the fleece market was open in St. Louis. Swartz hasn't been as effective as he was during their Stanley Cup year, but will bolster their top six with scary offensive talent. Then we arrived to Tampa Bay, who had a plethora of good players available, starting from Alex Killorn all the way to their pick, Yanni Gord. I hoped that they would have gone for Andre Palat, but I guess Francis didn't want to start contract negotiations with him right away, since he would have gotten probably a pay raise to his next contract and he only has one year remaining on that deal. Given the fact that he is now a back-to-back champion and has been a vital key to their top unit, so he probably would have been asking a whole lot more than you will pay for Gord. Gord isn't slouch either and is very similar to Palat in a sense that he's very versatile, while he is more of a energy player compared to Palat. He's one of the best four checkers in the league and can contribute offensively with consistency, the only downside being his long contract, but I believe that they have that under wraps as of now. From Toronto, the decision was between the newly acquired Jared McCann, Alex Kerfoot and Travis Dermott, but in the end they ended up choosing McCann, which I'm a huge supporter of. He has more offensive upside than Kerfoot, while Kerfoot is more sound defensively, and to me McCann's speed and skill are intriguing assets to have. Dubas had to make the trade for McCann in order to find more enticing target for the Kraken to take, and this time they didn't have to get rid of one of their best defensive players on their roster, so you could say not a bad move at the end of the day. Another right prediction came from Vancouver when they selected Colin from the Canucks. I already laid the groundworks on this pick in the previous episode, so I won't go into any detail about him. Just expect him to make an impact on the roster once he finds himself in their top three lines. Then Vegas was exempt from the draft, so the next selection was from Washington. And like I explained last time, that Minnesota and Washington could go both ways, where if they chose Kakkonen from Mini, they would have probably taken Justin Schultz from the Caps. But since they went with Susie, the obvious choice was goaltender Vitek Vanecek from the Capitals. He posted good numbers last season in the Capital, and they eventually traded him back to their roster in exchange for 2023 second round draft pick, because Seattle already had Dreger and Krubauer signed up. This was probably just a strategic move on Seattle's part, and at the end it came to a fruition. Then the last team was Winnipeg. And just as I expected, they took winger Mason Appleton from the Jets. And that concluded all the picks for the Kraken. And to recap their free agent signings after the draft, Jaden Swartz, Alexander Wenberg, and Philip Grubauer. Seattle took a totally different route than Vegas did in 2017. And this time around, they went heavy on their cap space since there were few big free agents available this summer and they already accomplished to sign few of those. They didn't take any bad contracts like Vegas did alongside Swedeners such as young players or draft picks and stuck to their guns and acquired only players who will most likely play for them coming the next season. Still expect Francis to keep taps on other teams since they have over 60 million in cap space and few teams might be in cap trouble before the season starts in October. But then we head on to the entry draft, which was as unpredictable as one would expect. 0 out of 15 predictions correct. You can call me Bob McKenzie. Well, like everyone said coming into this draft, it was going to be all over the place. And after the top two, it could be anyone's guess who goes next. I was betting on Buffalo to take a center Matthew Beniers as Jack Eichel will most likely leave Buffalo this summer or at the latest late fall, but I guess they are seeking a future 1A or 1B center in return, so that didn't happen and Owen Power went first overall. Beniers came right after as many expected and was Seattle's first ever entry draft pick, and hopefully he will become one of their key pieces for their future. 
Then Anaheim went a bit off the board with their third overall pick since I had them taking winger Dylan Genther, but instead, as always, centers get drafted earlier than expected because of their positions. And this time they took Mason McTavish with their third overall pick. This very much reminds me of the 2018 draft when Jesper Kotkaniemi and Barrett Hayden went earlier than expected and left players such as Quinn Hughes, Philip Sadina and Adam Boquist behind them. Number 4 pick this year belonged to New Jersey Devils and they bolstered their market value by adding another Hughes brother to their roster when they picked Jack's little brother Luke with their 4th overall pick. It wasn't a surprise that they took Hughes with their pick but I would have imagined that they would have gone for a forward such as William Eklund but I guess they saw a big upside in Luke and decided to draft him. Also not bad for the league either. Number 5 pick belonged to Columbus Blue Jackets and I predicted that they would have chosen Canadian defenseman Brent Clark with their pick since Seth Jones rumors had been looming around the league for weeks and it was just a matter of time when he was going to be dealt elsewhere. Despite the fact that they were going to lose their best right-handed defenseman, they decided to go with the high upside. Another center, Kent Johnson, who wasn't a reach by any means, but I wasn't expecting him to go this high. His skating is still work in progress, but his high hockey IQ and puck skills probably ensured their decision to draft him. He could be a steal for the Blue Jackets if he can reach his ceiling, but only time will tell how prolific this crafty forward will end up becoming. Right after that, Detroit was on the clock for the first time in the first round, and they decided to take a flyer on young Swedish defenseman Simon Edvinson. I've seen one Swedish lefty becoming pretty good defenseman in Detroit, so hopefully this will be the next one. You never know. I had them taking other Swede goaltender, Jesper Wallstedt, but he ended up dropping in the rankings and thus Edwinson went two spots earlier than I thought. With 7th overall pick San Jose Sharks finally selected forward William Eklund and these boys and girls could come back to haunt the teams which passed on him. I was really surprised that he fell all the way to 7th since some rumors had him even at number 1 but at least I wasn't considering that. We'll see how he can develop in San Jose since some of their recent first rounders haven't panned out so hopefully this will be the one to blossom into Logan Couture's successor. Right after San Jose it was time for another Californian team to select and with the 8th overall pick LA Kings selected the right-handed defenseman out of Barry Colts, Brent Clark. I was expecting him to go to New Jersey, but since they took Luke Hughes, I wasn't too far with the defenseman predictions. Originally, I had LA taking at Vincent, but since he wasn't available, I was on the right tracks, and Drew Doughty will most likely take him under his wing and carve him into a solid top 4 defenseman for years to come in West Coast. Then Vancouver Canucks made a trade which involved their ninth overall pick, and it got dealt to Arizona, which I will break into pieces in the next episode. Nevertheless, Arizona was on the clock since they had to forfeit their this year's first round draft pick because of illegal testing. They practically got back their first round pick and with that pick they finally took off the board WHL standout Dylan Genther. He was another guy I was surprised that fell all the way to 9 and in my picks, I had another right-handed winger in this spot, Fabian Lucelle, who also fell further than I thought. Ottawa then concluded the top 10 and they were the first team to go really off the board since they drafted physical right-handed winger Tyler Boucher out of USNTDP. He was predicted to go somewhere in the late first round to mid second, but this time Ottawa took a gamble and drafted probably the most physical forward out of this draft class. We'll see how he develops in Boston University next year, but with his style of play and frame, we could see him in the show sooner rather than later. The 12th overall pick belonged to Chicago Blackhawks, but they used that asset in a trade, so Columbus was on the board once again. With their second pick in the top 15, they decided to go with a goal scorer, Cole Sillinger. 
And like I said in the previous episode, he's a blessed goal scorer who has some work to do with his skating and defensive game. But he could develop into a very efficient middle six forward at some point. And then we start to arrive to the crazy town where you possibly just couldn't predict who went where. So here come the highlights from the rest of the first round. With 13th overall pick, Calgary Flames took USHL's best goal scorer Matthew Coronado. Few places before I had him. Number 14, Buffalo selected Isaac Rosen with their second first round draft pick. And since they had already picked the solid top tier prospect, they could go bit off the board and took Rosen, whose skill set is very intriguing and he could blossom in the right environment. Unfortunately, he went to Buffalo. Fifteenth yeah. overall pick belonged to Detroit after trading up eight spots with the Stars. Just like Buffalo and Columbus, this was their second first rounder. And I wasn't totally wrong about them taking a goaltender. But instead of Wallstead, they went with towering netminder Sebastian Cosa out of Edmonton Oil Kings. This wasn't a reach in my mind and many scouts had him even ranked higher than Wallstead, but only time will tell which one of these becomes the more superior netminder. New Rangers were on the clock next and with their 16th overall pick they went with Flint forward Brendan Othman, who raced up in the rankings after a stellar U18 tournament. I wasn't totally impressed with his play, but many scouts and teams had him highly ranked, so I could eat my words at some point when he becomes 30 goal scorer and 60 point Kai. St. Louis then bolstered their forward core by adding Zachary Bolduc to their pipeline and right after Winnipeg Jets chose American sniper Jazz Lucius. Well, that took long enough. I think I mentioned this in the previous episode that because of his injury I could see him dropping more than one would think. And this exactly happened. If his injury doesn't affect him long term, he could become another Culper Fetty type steal for the Jets. Nashville Predators own the 19th overall pick and since they have the goaltending covered for years to come, they decided to skip Wallstead and take one of the best defensive forwards in this draft class, Fyodor Svechkov. He won't probably post huge numbers in the NHL, but could become very solid middle six option either on the wing or at center at some point. Then finally it was time for the highly touted goalie prospect to be selected and the team that acquired him was Minnesota with their 20th overall pick which was acquired from the Oilers. It was a surprise to see him fall this far out of the top 10 but just like him the next player selected was another Swede who was high on some scouting rankings before the draft, Fabian Lucelle, who was picked at number 21 by the Boston Bruins. It was a bit of a surprise to see him fall this far, but taking into account his size, it actually doesn't feel like a stretch after all, since teams still tend to discriminate smaller players with lots of skill. And hopefully, those guys watched Cole Caulfield in the playoffs. Suck on that. Then with the 22nd overall pick, the Oilers selected Xavier Borgo, and if you ask me, they got fleeced hard. At 20, they had a chance to grab their future goaltender, but instead traded that pick to Minnesota and instead took another winger to their prospect pool. I would say it was another brain fart by Holland, and at this point I'm not even that surprised. He will take this team to the ground despite his credentials. Next on the board was Dallas Stars after trading down and they selected Wyatt Johnston. And boy did I talk about reaches before, cause this was definitely another one. He was protected to go around third round, but despite that fact, Dallas decided to take the right-handed supportive forward. I guess you could do worse things with your first rounders, but... I would say he would have been there in the second round as well, but don't hold me accountable on that one. Next, Florida Panthers took Matthew Samuskevich with their 24th overall pick. And right after that, Columbus was on the board once again and selected defenseman Corson Kuhlmans to their pipeline. 
I had him in the 10 to 15 range, but none of the teams drafted defenseman after Clark went at 8 overall. He could have a huge upside that hasn't been fully discovered yet, and based on last year's draft, CBJ ain't afraid to take chances on boomer bust type of players in the first round. Minnesota's second first rounder was the 26th pick of this draft, and they used it to draft left-handed defenseman Carson Lambos. He had a pretty controversial season in Finland this year, but his former credentials have kept him in the conversation of future top 4 D-man. Hopefully he will bounce back next season in the North America and keep developing so that Mini would have another solid defensive prospect on their hands. Then Nashville acquired the 27th overall pick from Carolina and ended up selecting one of the most intriguing prospects of this draft class, Zachary Leroux from Halifax Mooseheads. He protects to be this spread Marchand type of agitator who has a knack for goal scoring as well, but don't expect him to become as good of an offensive player as Marchand is, but his penalty minutes surely tell you what type of player he is. Very rugged and nasty to play against. The 28th pick belonged to Colorado Avalanche and they used it to select Swedish winger Oskar Olason with their only first round draft pick. And right after that, New Jersey was on the clock once again and this time they let it fly by. Choosing Chase Stillman from Sudbury Wolves and it was another reach to no one's surprise and I can see why the Devils took the chance on him. While he is a bit undersized, his skill set is very enticing and his foot speed is well above average. Combine those two and you might have extremely crafty player for your top 6 if everything goes to plan. Probably won't but I surely hope so. Vegas Golden Knights selected two-way center out of Gatineau. Zach Dean with their 30th overall pick and last pick of the first round belonged to Chicago and they used it to draft rugged physical defenseman out of Prince Albert Raiders, Nolan Allen. He performed pretty well in the under-18s this year, which probably raised his draft stock to the first round. And if you paid any attention, you probably noticed that I didn't mention the penultimate pick of the first round, which belonged to the Montreal Canadiens, and I did it on purpose since it was totally disastrous pick by the organization and I won't go into any detail about the whole situation since it is so obnoxious and because I'm not an actual news outlet so you can't come out with any allegations about the facts of the certain incident. You will probably find the case fairly easily since it has been on the headlines for days now and you can read multiple articles about it if you wish to do so. Once again, just horrible leadership decision by the Habs and that concluded the first round. From this point on, I will just address the players that I saw interesting since we saw lots of movement compared to the rankings heading to the draft. Already at the start of the second round, Seattle went bit off the board when they took good puck moving defenseman Riker Evans. Then pick later, Detroit drafted Shai Buyum with their pick, who was drafted far further into deeper rounds. And after those two, Arizona completed the triple by drafting their former captain's son, Josh Stone, who got passed upon last year. Belarusian Danila Klimovic climbed up the rankings after extremely solid showing in the U18s and got drafted in the second round by the Canucks. Players such as Francesco Pinelli, Logan Stankov and Nikita Chibrikov and Artur Ratu ended up falling quite a lot from their first round prediction. And especially Ratu who was projected to be the sole number one guy of this draft a few years ago fell all the way back to number 52 when the Islanders finally took him. Pinelli was chosen by the Kings, Stankov went to Dallas and Chibrikov was acquired by the Jets who could be a huge deal at number 50. Then the Habs rounded up the second round and selected with their last second rounder Oliver Kapanen from my hometown Kalpa, so big congratulations to Ovo as well. Then we moved to the later rounds and first notable players who fell to the third round were Zesepas Dujov, Stanislav Swozil and Simon Robertson who were protected to go somewhere in the second round at the latest. 
I like the 73rd pick of the draft when Dallas added another undersized forward to their pipeline alongside Stan Coben when they took Arto Martino and another Belarusian was taken when the Jets chose U18 standout Dimitri Kuzmin at number 82. One of the biggest fallers of this draft was Joshua Wa, who was protected to go somewhere between late first and early third round, but he fell all the way to the fifth round until Canadians chose him at 150th player. But pretty much that wraps up the whole event. Overall 16 Finnish players got drafted this year. Alexi Heimosalmi was the first taken at 44 by Carolina. Followed by Samu Tuomala at 46 to Philadelphia. Ville Koivonen at 51 to Carolina as well. Aaturätyö at 52 to the Islanders. Samuel Helanius at 59 to LA Kings. Oliver Kapanen to Habs at 64 and final top. Three round draft pick was Samu Salminen at 68 to New Jersey. Like I said, very much all over the place draft, which was hard to predict. But even though this was seen as an inferior draft, we could see huge deals at every round because of the current climate that we live in. But that wraps up the episode. Lots of names, places, and a whole lot of talking. So. Hopefully you stayed with me throughout this episode. Thank you once again for listening. Leave your comments on my social media. If you have any suggestions or you want me to address certain topics more in depth. Don't forget to react to my IG story so that we get some kind of consensus on how long episodes you prefer. So that I can deliver the best possible content for you each time. Next week, free agent frenzy and the blockbusters of this offseason. So come back next week for that craziness. Otherwise, remember, stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.